Hello podcast listeners, this is Daniel Friedlander, and this is the Nintendo Podcast, or LithCast, episode 51 for Monday, August 3rd, 2009. All right, hello, LithCast listeners. As previously stated, this is Daniel Friedlander, and this is LithCast number 51. And I forgot to mention, but this is the birthday edition of LithCast. And um, it's a very exciting birthday, particularly because I get to celebrate it twice. And why do I say that? Well, uh, funny story, I'll just lead off with it before I start the podcast. I have actually already done this podcast before, and um, it was an hour and a half thereabouts. I don't know how long this one's going to be, but the first one was about an hour and a half. Um, And I finished recording it, and I saved it. Well, I thought I'd saved it. Well, I mean, I did save it, or I was trying to compress it or something. And the program that I normally use to record the podcast completely died on me. And I think what it is, is the following. Um, the program I use will, of course, well, it does compress the audio, but it also at the same time creates, I mean, I'll get technical because I just want to get out of the way. Uh, but at the same time also creates a lossless version of, well, th- what I'm, of what, of what I'm recording. So right now, normally, although I change the setting, normally, LithCast is actually recorded as two files. The first one is a compressed file that I can just quickly get, get, uh, and shoot out and, you know, put it on the feed. But then the other file that it makes is one that it sort of keeps behind the scenes, and it's the one that I use to edit, is the, the lossless file. And, you know, it makes the first file because, as I say, I, just, I don't want to make any edits to it, just had, I, then I have it right there, and it's just right, you know, it's pre-compressed, and it's compressing as I speak. Um, but that's just how this piece of software works. And it's kind of a nice feature because it means you don't, if I, for example, set the compression settings wrong the first time, I really don't get penalized. I just have to kind of, well, uh, redo it and um, just recompress. And at least I have still my lossless version, which has all the data there. And so that was sort of the problem. Well, the thing is, I'm using a new piece of audio equipment. Although to be more specific, it's not really a new piece of audio equipment. It's really actually an old piece of audio equipment that... um, I never really got working, but it is better than the stuff I was using. And it re- uses um, optical uh, audio input into the computer, as in it actually transmits a fib- over a fiber optic cable, which is really amazing. But it requ- gives you a lot of really uh, nice bandwidth. I don't know if you'll be able to tell the sound uh, quality difference because you know, you're listening to a compressed podcast. But certainly it's nice that the, qu- the difference exists. And... Um, the problem, the, the problem is that it just shoots so much data at the computer. This one one and a half hour uh, podcast was 1.4 gigabytes, and so when it's compressing, the compressed version I think came out okay. But first, what it does is it saves the lossless version, and uh, that basically the lossless version is based on one of Apple's codecs called AAC, and um, maybe it's not lossless. I think it's like I think it's like Apple's lossless codec, and it basically 
failed on me and that caused the program to crash and I had this now I have this huge blob of of uh of data this 1.4 gigabyte file and the problem is it's corrupted now and so I can't according to the manufacturer I can't salvage it so I'm here re-recording with cast 51 and I'm excited to do it but you know I would have preferred if Saturday's episode I recorded it on Saturday so um I recorded on August 1st, the day after the Lithcast fourth birthday. Uh, but you know what? I'm. It could be worse. I'm here. At least I've got the time to do it. Normally, I probably wouldn't have had the time to do it. But at least um, I'm able to re-record the episode for all of you. And um, uh, hopefully, it should go a little faster because I've done I've done this episode before. I should be an old pro at this by now. Uh, so, yes, uh, today is Lithcast. Or sorry. July 31st, 2009 was Lithcast's fourth birthday. And so that was only a few days ago. Today's August 3rd. And, um, you know, it's uh, always a fun event, Lithcast's birthday. It amazes me still to this day that Lithcast has been going on for four years. Um, It's actually also sort of funny because I've said this before at other birthdays. It, to me, seems it feels like more than four years. And it's not because... You know, moderating the message boards is a pain, and it's not. Be- and I mean, I have great moderators to to help me do that. I mean, they do most of the work anyway. Mr. Storm and Endor, and so it's not that. That is not the issue. But the reason it seems, I think, like it feels like more than four years is just that the, the amount of stuff, the way my my, I mean, just speaking p- completely selfishly here, the way my own personal life has expanded because of Lithcast. And the opportunities that I've uh, been able to take advantage of because of Lithcast and because of the fact that all of you listen at home or on your iPod or in your car, what have you, are just so immense that it has really made its time sort of become stretched out, which is great. Because then I think, wow, so much has been done in only four years and there's still so much more that can be done and so much more that I would like to do with Lithcast and so much so many more podcasts to make, so many more uh, uh, listeners to acquire. So, you know, really I consider it a an opportunity, and I consider it a good thing that it feels like more than four years. Um, I just feel like we've gotten a lot done, and we've grown, I mean, look, Lithcast has grown a lot from its beginnings, and uh, I, as I say, selfishly perhaps, admit that I've been given a lot of opportunities. I now am basically the guy that runs the Hylia.com the world's traffic-wise, and I'm not going to get into this whole debate about the anime or whatever, traffic-wise, largest Zelda site on Earth. And this is just an opportunity that you just don't, you can't just, you don't just, you don't just get. I mean, if I had, if this is me back in 2005, you know, before I had Lithcast and before I had done all this stuff, asking to be um, the person that writes the Zelda news, I mean, it would be absolutely not. But of course now, uh, through just a determination, I guess, I mean, mostly from you guys, uh, sticking sticking with me when uh, with the episode schedule being so sporadic as it is, a lot has been opened up. I'm now also uh, this probably is a new thing. I haven't mentioned this on the podcast before, but I'm now writing for Zentendo.com. I think you know we've mentioned them on websites before. Um, I was just asked to help out, so I thought um, I would do that. And um, so you know, it's ama- it's to me it's amazing how many opportunities have been opened up through Lithcast and of course I don't regret any minute of uh, the, any of the wor- any of the work put into Lithcast it's been really a fun time I mean sure you know Lithcast isn't the uh, biggest podcast on iTunes and it's not you know it's not like I have 
I'm making really anything on Lithcast money wise, but you know, I, there's just so much to me anyway that's just so valuable that I, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I you know, I look at the message boards, I see seventy three thousand posts, and I say, well, you know what? No, we didn't start that in the beginning of Lithcast, but that's really good. I mean, the fact that there are seventy three thousand posts on our message board is just an amazing thing for me anyway. And look, it's good. it's going to it grows, and it's a great community. Of course, you can join that community at lithcast.com/forums at lithcast.com/slash F-O-R-U-M-S. And of course, that's another thing I've also gained from doing these podcasts is I've been able to become a much better speller. Um, well, I mean, I, could, I think I could spell, I was able to spell okay before, but now I can do it uh, by by uh, speech. It's, it's, it's one of these things that, I, I mean, for me anyway, it was a lot, wasn't a very easy, it's really not a very easy thing for a lot of people to spell that quickly, but um, also check out the Hylia, T-H-E-H-Y-L-I-A dot com as far as uh, where I am. But uh, I'm always just basically saying that without Lithcast, a lot of opportunities would not be open to me. And hopefully uh, you guys feel in a, a similar way. I'm, I really do hope that the podcast does bring you uh, some entertainment, if not for the actual content or my analysis, if at least for the uh, the fun of listening to me trying to cobble together a podcast. And, um, hopefully it's, uh, I don't know, maybe it's brightened some days. I have no idea what this, what this does. I only know from people who write in letters and people who, uh, send an email. And of course you can do that. And I would love to hear from you at Daniel at Lithcast.com, D-A-N-I-E-L at L-I-T-H-C-A-S-T.com. And, uh, it's, um, I just, that's, you know, my hope is that you guys enjoy it too. I know, I know people download it, but you know, they just, you don't hear, most people you don't hear from it. I'm not saying I want to hear from every single one of you because I understand what it's like. It's kind of annoying. If I emailed every single podcast that I listen to, I'd, well, I, I'd have a lot of email to send. I send, I re- listen to a lot of podcasts and, uh, I love podcasts and as you can see, I'm doing one. So, uh, it's certainly something that I've really, uh, enjoyed in life. So certainly no regrets here as far as doing with cast. Hopefully none of, none for you guys for having listened. Um, so as is customary with the Lithcast fourth birthday contest, or sorry, excuse me, ooh, I sort of gave it away, but that's part of it, uh, the Lithcast fourth birthday contest. But as is also customary with Lithcast's birthdays, um, I'm going to tell the Lithcast Christmas story, otherwise known as the Lithcast, sort of how Lithcast got started, what inspired me to start Lithcast, and... Um, you know, what it was like, because it's, it's a lot different now, I will say, to start, I mean, I sound like an old guy here, but it's only been four years, it's a lot different now to start a podcast than it was when I did start uh, the podcast, there wasn't a service like Liberated Syndication, or services like PodTrack, or, um, or uh, Podomatic, I mean, the first one is a Liberated Syndication, which is actually what we use right now, we use Libsyn to distribute the podcast, is a like a hosting and um, content distribution network that you can that's a four pay system but it kind of you know if, if we don't take advantage of everything here at Lithcast but if I wanted to I could you know have it I mean it does a lot of stuff does statistics does everything all in kind of one area for you and it's really optimized for delivering podcasts and it's got distribution centers of uh, content so it's really really nice 
Um, and of course, PodTrack is we use them now, but they're an ad, they were an, they're an ad agency for podcasts. I mean, the idea of having an ad a, a, an ad agency for a podcast it sort of seems funny. I mean, when I started, I mean, it didn't exist really for a few years. I think until after I started, and uh, it's still not very easy to do. I mean, the idea of advertising on a podcast I still think isn't isn't particularly well appreciated. On the other hand. You know, um, I think main reason we don't get as many ads on Lithcast is really because the update schedule isn't isn't um, isn't solid, isn't like weekly. Um, because there are a lot of advantages to up to uh, advertising on a podcast. One of them, of course, is just that uh, it's a very it can be very targeted audiences. Audiences can be large; they can be international. Um, although in some in some cases that could be a a down a down. Uh, fall of podcast advertising but one of the biggest av- advantages to podcast advertising is that it's, it's what they call like evergreen media that is if someone were to put an ad on this podcast say for example i said oh this uh, this podcast is brought to you by the nintendo wii log on to wii.com that's wii with two eyes and i mean that ad is there forever so regardless of whether or not it's not like it's regardless of whether or not you listen to it today or even after the ad campaign is over that ad that ad remains so i think that's one of the things people forget also with podcasts but look, I mean, I'm just saying that thing did not exist when I started doing Lithcast. And of course, all-in-one solutions like Podomatic didn't exist. Um, so it's more, it's easier than ever now to start a podcast. And um, of course, you know, like I say, when I started, I it wasn't so easy. But we will talk about that a little bit in the Lithcast Christmas story, Lithcast founding story. Um, and so we have that. And then we... Um, of course, also have the Lithcast birthday contest. Well, this year, it's a contest, but the deal is I'm going out of town this Friday, which has also made it a little bit annoying because the fact that my Lithcast 51 went kaput the same week, and I had to realize—I mean, realize I have to record it quickly because I'm going out of town. I got to get ready. Um, going out of town for 10 days, actually going out of the country. <laughs> so I'll be somewhat in contact, but basically, I want to make the contest easy, and I wanted to. Uh, because the last time we did a song contest, and I—that's fine. I, I was—it was funny. I really enjoyed um, Arbiter's entry of uh, "I Kissed DS Cubed." Uh, oh, that reminds me, uh, Twitter.com/slash/DSCubed. I'm now encouraging people to follow me on Twitter. Um, I need to build build up some followers here. Um, I think I'm a pretty decent Twitter person. I don't use it too much, um, but certainly it's free to follow me. So uh, go ahead and follow. T- twitter.com slash ds cubed anyway um as much as i love the song contest last time i felt it was like a little bit difficult i mean no one who i mean you want to if you want to sing you have to have musical talent i remember at the hylia for the 10th anniversary of um ocarina of time which was back in 2008 we said i mean i did a contest and i, I got in touch with the guys the guy from uh songbird really the perfect sponsor perfect uh uh, partner in a contest for Ocarina of Time, and we, he gave away thir- we gave away thirty ocarinas that are, you know are shaped like uh, Ocarina of Time ocarinas, and or um, I think some of them are Ocarina of Time ones. I think some of them are fairy ocarinas, but who cares? They're they're just amazing prizes. I mean, they're the perfect thing to give away. And we just said, now we just said, okay, well, just send us an email, and we got you know hundreds of entries, and that was one of the best things to do. I mean, I loved doing that contest, um, and. Part of the reason I think that, that was so good is one is it was easy, and I, I, now I don't have anything that massive to give away like thirty ocarinas, but um, uh, I will say though that it's a little bit different because there are different interests. So, like for example, if I do an, a contest, you know, I do a, something like a song contest because I want a song or something, 
and um, someone else might, or I might do like, oh, I want a logo contest because I want a logo or something. But you know, when it comes to a contest like this, well, this guy who's selling ocarinas, he gets all these email addresses of people. He's like, well, why do you want this ocarina? And he gets he gets that, but he also gets email addresses of people who are tar- you know targeted. It's like tar- it's advertising. I mean, the guy gets email addresses of people who love Zelda. And that's what a lot of his ocarinas are targeted at. So I don't really have any sort of like a monetary interest like that. So I'm going to have to kind of, you know, so I, it's always different. I always, I always like, you know, I kind of like doing a song contest or something like that because at least I get a little something out of it. But at the same time, um, you know, it's, it may, it really it does restrict the number of people that can enter. And I'm not, I'm not big on exclusivity as far as people being able to enter my contest since we only do one a year and it's got big and really, and it's, it's, it's a fun thing to do. So, um, so we'll talk a little bit more about the Lithcast uh, birthday contest a little bit later. But of course, first, we have to get into anything that has to do with Lithcast. And then we're going to get into the news, and then we'll talk about the birthday and all that. So uh, as far as what's up with Lithcast, uh, Lithcast.com, I'm now, i got three different URL, URLs to give you, actually four. Lithcast.com, TheHylia.com, Zentendo.com, and of course, follow me on Twitter, Twitter.com slash DSCubed. Uh, Lithcast.com, of course, is the site that I mostly update. I'm, I'm, I'm mostly, um, well, it's one I founded and uh, run as the administrator. And um, it's, there isn't really much there. There's a little, little bit of E3 content, very, very little, though. And, um, but there is a bit of something going on at the forums. Of course, there always is, because the forums are really an amazing community. That's Lithcast.com slash forums. Or just go to Lithcast.com and click the forums button um, at the right really a great place to be like say over 73,000 posts and really quite a community we all really it's almost all we're not a first name basis because no one really knows each other's names but we are at least on a first alias uh handle screen name username whatever you want to call it basis uh we're all good buddies we get together for game nights lithcast.com uh forum members love the game nights we have been playing one versus 100 and uh, most on the Xbox 360, and uh, it's funny because, well, Nintendo's online is not really what it should be, so that's why we do that. But, uh, you, of course, also can check out thehylia.com if you want to know what's going on with Zelda news or anything having to do with The Legend of Zelda. I think the Hylia really is the place to uh, to go. Of course, then again, uh, it's a, it is a little bit biased, but I really do think as far as if you want to know what's going on in, with Zelda... The highly is updated pretty regularly, although I haven't updated it since July 20th because nothing's really happened. Um, but of course, um, that's sometimes good news when it comes to Zelda. You never know. Anyway, um, so the highly is also a great site. Of course, I'm going to be talking about a few Zelda stories only because, like I say, I'm, I just interface so directly with Zelda news now that I've become just, just so much more conscious of every little Zelda story uh, so as to really just have it always on my mind. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Zelda news, even if you don't really care. Uh, next, also, Zentendo.com. It's a site I'm only like an assistant editor there, and I've only posted up a few stories. Um, of course, I will talk about the stories I posted up, because that's one of the biggest stories, actually, that is one I wrote for, for Zentendo. Um, and it's actually the first article that we're going to talk about news-wise. And, uh, so let's get right into it. Basically, we have... Um, kind of hmm, a big piece of news. I mean, probably the biggest piece of news of the last week or so. 
is Nintendo has posted their first quarter earnings for fiscal year 2009. Their, for, their fiscal year, by the way, starts in March. And so they've posted their first quarter results. And, well, it was quite depressing. Uh, Nintendo rec- uh, reported a 61% drop in profits. And according to Bloomberg.com, they're, they're attributing that largely to, uh, to uh, Wii sales being weak. Uh, and I think we've, we've known about Wii sales, uh, slipping, and I think it doesn't come as any surprise to us who are gamers, because, you know, of course, we have to be the ones that are going to be buying the games as much as, uh, anything else. Of course, um, this drop in profits precedes, uh, Wii Sports Resort, a game I'm also going to be talking about a little bit later, and, uh, it's, so, it may just have to do with the fact Nintendo didn't have any really great games to show us first quarter. Uh, and I would believe that. But actually, it's not just uh, Wii sales. Apparently, um, the DS sales also fell. Um, Nintendo's net income was down, uh, uh, declined to 42.3 billion yen, or $445 million. And um, let's see, what else do we have here about the, I could have sworn they have something about the DS. I'm not really sure exactly, but um, first quarter revenue dropped 40%. Da, 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 da. They say they say that Nintendo um, sold 2.23 million Wii consoles in the April June quarter, April to June quarter, less than half of its. 5.17 million a year earlier because of fewer blockbuster software titles. Okay. Now, granted a lot of the other um a lot of the other software companies or game companies, what well, that pretty much the entire game industry was down, but to be honest, uh they've been going gangbusters with the Wii since 2006, November 19th when it's been out, when it was released. And to see now a, a fall in a slip in Wii sales, uh, I think it's not surprising that we see a fall in Nintendo's profits, obviously. Uh, but, um, you know, do we... I wish I had someone to ask about, about this, but is there really... Is there really a... Um, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if I feel bad. I mean, it's not that I feel... It's not that I don't feel bad in a way, I mean, but were they really making anything that it's like if they deserve to do well I, that's one thing it's sort of like you have games sometimes you're like oh boy you know okami deserves to sell better uh odin sphere or whatever deserves to sell better uh, but i mean is this one of these instances i don't i don't think so um of course um Nintendo also though projects because of course they also have projections and uh, they project 30 million DS sales and 26 million Wii sales by the end of this year despite uh this bad number and so that's not bad if that if that's their projection for the end of the year i mean we look at um if you look at let's see here uh that's i mean that must be i mean that's a pretty sizable increase i think what do they say the wii has according to vg charts which you know take it with a grain of salt uh the the wii has sold 51 million uh, systems. So if they're going to sell 30 million or 26 million, that's eh, not bad. It's going to increase it by 50 percent. They're claiming DS sales will be uh, 30 million, 
Well, they've already got 107 million, so it's a 33% increase. But then again, the DS is on its 30 duration. It's probably at the end of its life, if you ask me. On the other hand, um, you never know with the DSi adding so much. Uh, uh, a little, if, if there are sort of this hidden functionality, like extra um, hardware power, you just never know, really. So um, that's interesting. Of course, like I said, VG charge, you have to take it with a grain of salt. And um, so I was thinking, um, I think also the, I think we also haven't seen really what Nintendo's projecting given the Wii sales. And I think also DS sales, I'm not sure what they should be. 30 million, I'm not, it's, it's, it almost seems high, but then you kind of think about it, you know, they're going to be releasing Pokemon Heart Gold, Soul Silver by the end of their fiscal year. And, um, and of course, but yes, I should mention that this idea of 26 million, 30 million doesn't mean by the end, doesn't mean by December. It means by March of next year. Uh, so it's, um, and of course you never know how well the Wii Vitality sensor is going to sell. I mean, that, that could be a real blockbuster. So just saying. Let's see, is there anything else that we have really to discuss as far as Nintendo's profits? I'm not sure. I, I could have sworn, see, I, this is the problem. I always feel like I had something to say in the uh, in LithCast 51 the first time I recorded it, but now in the second time that I'm recording it, I'm not really saying much. Maybe because I feel like I've said it, but I haven't because you haven't heard it, because you'll never hear it because it lost got lost in uh, the recording. Let's see, is there anything else that... Let's see, um... Nope, looks like we are. I think we probably we probably beat this story uh, dead. I guess the next the next story I would have to say is that a is that Comic Con happened. Like Comic Con's the largest video not video game largest comic book convention. It actually occurs right here in San Diego, and I never really go. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I've gone maybe three or four times, but this year I did not go. Uh, to be honest, I don't really like Comic-Con that much. It's, to me, not that interesting. It's a, sort of like an E3, but without the video games. And for, it's and uh, everyone is a little weirder, too. So I don't really go, even though I'm here. And I'm sure there are probably people who are dying to go. And who if only they could all get all, if only they could get themselves to, to San Diego, they would be very happy to, to go. But And then they're, they're angry that DS Cube doesn't want to go. And I have gone before, but it's, to me anyway, not the most interesting of uh, conventions. Though, I suppose after E3, it's probably pretty good. I, I really love E3, though. <laughs> um, so let me see. Oh, yes, yes. I was going somewhere with this. So, uh, basically, they announced, or not they, it was Sega announced a new Super Monkey Ball game called Super Monkey Ball Step and Roll. And I w this is one of these times when I'm always considering playing the trailer because the trailer is pretty funny. But uh, I'll, of course, link to it in the show notes as I do with everything that I talk about so that I can't just make it up. And so, I don't know. It's, um, it's kind of funny. But basically, it's a Super Monkey Ball game that takes advantage of the Wii balance board, and it's due to come out in winter of 2010. So, uh, you know, don't look for it on store shelves this year, but next year. Uh, 
and you they have a they have like a teaser video uh, up of course it's up at uh, zentendo.com I'll link to it in the show notes and um so that's those one announcement of Comic Con I think there wasn't there another one was there another announcement at Comic Con that I wanted to um oh yes uh Miles, the Miles Edgeworth game, the next installment in the uh, Ace Attorney franchise, has also been uh, dated for February 16th, 2010 for the DS. So for those of you who are Phoenix Wright fans or that fans of that uh, game series, the next one comes out February uh, 16th of next year here in the United States. <clears throat> and of course, once again, also linked in the show notes. So, I th- we managed to kill two stories pretty quickly right there, and um, let's see. Well, let's get through one more story. Uh, when I was doing this podcast, I did the origi- I did this first uh, with cast on August first, and August first was the day that was sort of a a big day in Japan because the the Wii, the Nintendo Wii, came out in black. Now I remember back when the Wii was first being well, back when it was called the Revolution, and we were hearing all about it, and it, it was always shown in pictures in black when Iwata pulled it out at uh, E3 2000 and I guess 5 or 2004, maybe it was 2005 maybe I think it was, I don't know 2005 or 2004, he pulled out a black Nintendo Revolution, we didn't know much about it, we just knew it was a we just knew it was black and we knew it could play GameCube and uh, and Wii games, Nine, I think it was a 9 centimeters and 12 centimeter discs I'm probably, I'm probably getting the number wrong but at any rate uh so we uh, that's what we that's what we learned, and it's sort of too bad that you know we're not going to see it here in the United States because that's part. Of it. Or at least they said they've announced the black uh, Nintendo Wii has uh, nope no is not scheduled to make a debut at um, in the United States. Um, let's see it. So Game Daily asked Nintendo to comment on whether or not we can expi- expect the uh, the black Wii, and they said, and they said, "quote There's no plan. They have no plans to uh, have other colors of Wii in the U.S." So, of course, this version of the Wii uh, was packaged with Monster Hunter. I think it was it Monster Hunter? I think that's what it was. Um, and of course, it's you know, I, to be honest, we were all sad about it, sort of on the Lithcast forums. Uh, we were talking about it, and but then we realized. I mean, is anyone really going to trade in their white Nintendo Wii for a black one? I mean, it's not. I mean, are you really going to take the price of a used system? Are they? You know, are you going to take the GameStop trade in just to go get your the Wii in black? I mean, sure, it's cool, but I mean, I don't think white black's all that much cooler than white. I mean, they're probably I mean, they're about, at least in my eyes, they're about they're all they're about the same as far as how their coolness factor. Because white kind of looks like an Apple product, but black's kind of sleek and doesn't show dirt as well. But I mean, I'm, it's not like the DS where I'm like, you know, where you have it, you're carrying it around with you. So I mean, who cares if it shows dirt or whatever? It doesn't get any dirt on it. So I don't know if I really would have traded in, traded it in. But of course, this is just one of these things that Nintendo's doing because probably the Japanese market needs it the most, uh, seeing as how they're even losing ground to the PlayStation Three, and because um, you know the Xbox is not as popular in Japan, but <coughs> the. Uh, the question also is sort of, I, you know, it's really as why basically are they doing it? And uh, part of it, I think, is just the Wii sales have slumped for more time in the Japan than they have in the U.S. And I'm sure 
after a point, we will see the, the we in black in the United States if they think that that would actually boost sales. Uh, I don't think there are any, was any. I don't think I know anybody holding out for a, the Wii to come out in black before they buy one. It's mostly based on games. Uh, certainly, one game that I think was talked about that was posted about by Mr. Storm on the message boards was this game called Epic Mickey, and it's like through uh, various uh, portfolios and resumes of various graphic ar- graphic artists who work at Disney. It was uh, revealed that this game um, was um, it, for the Wii is going to be created. It's sort of like a, it's a steampunk Mickey Mouse game. It's really creepy. Um, although actually, this actually I didn't talk about this in the in the original podcast, but actually I will I will link to Epic Mickey in the show notes. Um, of course, you know there's been some news since the last um, last podcast. So um, even though in two, only two short days, a, few, a little bit of news has been added. So I will definitely make sure that um, uh, you do see that on the Lithcast forums or on IGN or wherever it was posted. Um, Epic Mickey is kind of interesting, but I'm just saying there's a bunch of games that I think is what really people really buy the Wii for games. I mean, so for example, uh, Twilight Princess, in my opinion, is a great reason to buy a Wii. If you love Zelda, I mean, there's, but thing is, not really, because if you already have a GameCube, you can play it on the GameCube. But say, for example, the next Zelda, I mean, that would be, a, to me, a great reason to buy the Wii. Um, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl would be a great reason to buy the DS. Uh, Mario Kart would be a great reason to buy the DS, or maybe even the Wii, because apparently that's one, according to VG Charts, one of the best selling games for the Wii, I think. And, um, um, you know, those are, there are certain times, I th- but I think colors are rarely a reason to buy a certain system. Um, so, you know, uh, I guess everyone's different. I'm sure there are some, there's probably like one or two people who are interested in buying the Wii for its color, but uh, you could just buy a PlayStation 3, which has been available in black the entire time, or an Xbox 360 Elite. So, anyway. You know, what, what I think really the Wii uh, is, in my opinion, what it really does need is a price drop. And I think Nintendo could stomach a price drop. Now, especially, uh, I think that would help them far more than colors. And I'm sure we've heard this before, but when it comes to price drops, first off, Xbox has just dropped their price. Um, you know, it's a, 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 good, a pretty good amount. I mean, you can, I think you can now get an Xbox cheaper than a Wii if you get the you know the lowest tier Xbox. But also. I mean, even Sony, I think, has dropped their prices. I mean, they really needed it because I mean, there there was there um, the price of their system was a huge barrier for people buying the system, um, and so I understand that one perfectly. But I think look, the Wii, they're they're what they the last figures I've heard was that they're making twelve dollars per uh, Wii system. These companies are used to selling these systems at a loss. They're selling these fifty dollars games that probably cost them only a few cents to make. I mean, per disc. And um, well, you have to put in the development cost, of course. But they're used to selling these games at a loss and making it up on the games. So Nintendo is in the best position of all of them to make a price cut. I'm sure Microsoft's really hurting to ma- making Xbox 360 price cuts. I'm sure it's not very easy for them, but not at least not as easy as Nintendo because at least they're not at least they're actually losing something. Whereas Nintendo is making money apparently on every Wii system they sell, which is almost unheard of uh, in the console market. But they are, and so why not issue a price cut? I ask you, and I think that would actually influence a lot of people to to get um, Wii's. And in fact, if Nintendo is so 
dead set on getting into this casual market. I mean, do the, does the casual market care that much about colors? No, but what they do care what they do care about is is um, yeah, of course, the games, the casual games. But how about the price? The idea is, say, I'm someone who's not a gamer. Well, am I willing to plop two hundred fifty dollars down for a system that I, you know, I mean, I'm, I know I'm not a gamer. I just, I just, I'm a, I'm someone who's never played video games. I'm somebody who's only heard about video games. Am I really willing to put down two hundred fifty dollars towards a game, towards a game system with only one game? You know, get Wii Sports Resort for, with it, and with, and, you know, of course, if you add accessories and other games, of course, it becomes more expensive. And if, um, if I'm just a casual game or say I get Wii Fit I mean that's another what $80 or something just added right on so maybe maybe we is Wii Fit more than $80 I, f- I really forget um whatever I'll search it if you have oh but no it's about it's about $80 okay <clears throat> so as a cat I mean I think that's one way even to appeal to the casual gamers and gamers of course just in general I mean at, as, at a point it's like okay well maybe the Wii doesn't have the best games but I mean if it's only 200 bucks or I don't know what, how much they should drop the price or if it's only 150 bucks or 170 dollars you have to at some point say well you know it's worth it and I think the same goes for the casual gamers that is something I think that can affect both the casual audience and the uh, core audience especially of course when people uh, have this especially when people are worrying about the economy and whatnot and people still want to play games uh, I think a price cut is a very reasonable thing particularly if you're a Nintendo and you are making money on the system, and not only that, if you expect to release a whole bunch of titles, uh, video games, which of course are the things with the largest profit margin, with um, with a bu- with the expectation that you're going to sell a lot, Wii Sports Resort, according to VG Charts, has sold tremendously well. Uh, I think there was a, sa- I mean, I think now, if I'm not mistaken, there was, I think there was a VG Charts story. Like I say, VG Charts is not exactly known to be the most reliable source. So, of course, I, I urge you to take whatever I say and quote and attribute to VG Charts with a grain of salt. However, I would also argue, though, that this is pretty amazing. This, this claim that they're making about, um, about the Wii's, uh, about Wii Sports Resort's sales already is really quite amazing. Let me just uh, take a look here. So, according to VG Charts, of course, this will be in the show notes, um, According to VG Charts, the Wii, Wii Sports Resort is the fourth biggest opening, wait, has the fourth biggest opening ever for a Wii game. Oh, maybe that wasn't then for total sales. Okay, um, let's see, what is this? Uh, so this is for week one. Okay, let's see. When comparing Wii Sports Resort to previous Wii openings, the title is only beaten by Super Smash Bros. Brawl, Mario Kart Wii, and Wii Fit. With Wii Sports Resort releasing in, on Sunday in America, week one will... Be, will be a whole seven days which we are estimating from the strong day one sales about 300,000 to be around 700,000 the 10 uh, so the 10 largest debuts for Wii titles are shown, shown below so if it's if, they, if Nintendo believes they're going to be releasing a whole bunch of titles that are going to sell well i.e. the Wii Sports Resort and Pokemon Heart Gold Soul Silver well of course that's not a Wii title let's look on I guess let's think only about uh, Wii games but if Nintendo is looking at uh, what else are they going to sell? I know, now I'm blanking on some other of Nintendo's Wii games that they're going to be uh, creating. Let me check. I think I ought to know this. Um, new, oh, New Super Mario Brothers Wii comes out this year. 
uh, Wii Fit Plus comes out this year. Uh, Metroid Other M comes out next year. If Nintendo's expecting to make a lar- you know, a lot of games that are supposed to sell well, and it's particularly, like I said, the games are the things with the largest ho- uh, profit margin, uh, it seems to me to appeal to casual gamers it would and to core gamers, lower the price of the darn thing. Maybe they don't have to. Maybe the games themselves will sell it, but um, uh, certainly if that, certainly I think uh, Wii Fit Plus is due to come out fall 2009. That plus a price cut, to me, it indicates it would it would at least if I was a casual gamer really mean okay I mean I've been hearing a lot about this Wii I heard about the Wii Fit they've got this new version called the Wii Fit Plus I think um, you know it's getting it's getting tough to say I don't that you don't want it and uh, it's cheap and I and it's easy and it's affordable so it's uh, it'd be tough to tough to say no to that. If I was someone considering, but look, I just under, I just understand the point that if I was somebody, I remember when I was first getting. In fact, I remember when I was first getting a GameCube. Uh, the idea of paying a hundred, I think the GameCube was a hundred and fifty dollars when I bought it. I didn't buy it originally because the idea of paying a hundred and fifty dollars was just like unbelievable. Pay a hundred fifty dollars for a GameCube. Un- I mean, that almost sounds. like... I mean, of course, that's not the Wii is two hundred fifty dollars. Of course, back then I wasn't as serious about gaming. Well, you know, I mean, I was, but maybe at the time I just I don't know. Um. And then, uh, I don't know, I think I just wasn't as, uh, well, it wasn't as big of a deal to me, but I just know as somebody who, at, you know, at one point didn't, you know, wasn't as much into gaming as I am now, I know that the price is, is something that, you know, you look at, and maybe not in a, maybe not in a real smart way, but you look at it and you think, you know, I'm not even, I don't even know if, I'm not even sure I'm going to use this thing. And that's, that's, I mean, that's, think about the Wii just like, you know, someone would, you might look at a, uh, a bicycle, you know, am I even going to use this thing or, and if you're not a video gamer, there's a good, there, there can very well be some doubt whether as to whether or not you're going to use it and to drop $250 plus of course $80 if you bought it for, wanted to buy it for Wii Fit is, uh, is a question, is a, is a big question. So uh, I think a price drop would, would really help the Wii, but that's my opinion. I don't think releasing it in black in the U.S., although that would be very cool, uh, would be probably better for the sales. I still find it funny though how the black system was sort of the color we'd gotten used to. It's the color. It's like it was like the color of the Nintendo Revolution. And in fact, we even saw lime green. I think before we saw white, and then that's what we ended up getting with the Wii. But uh, yeah, it's all right. So I think uh, that that story I think is definitely been uh had the uh the stuffing beaten out of it so let's see what else do we have here well all right um just a quick quick little mention here i'm not a big professor layton fan but i know a lot of you are uh i'm not sure if i even i'm not sure i, I probably didn't give professor layton a fair chance but anyway uh professor layton the uh the in the diabolical box the, the nintendo DS game, well, wait, Professor Layton is always a Nintendo DS game, but anyways, the Professor Layton and the Diabolical Box website officially open, ProfessorLaytonDS.com, check it out, link will be in the show notes, but it's probably not very hard to remember, ProfessorLaytonDS.com. Alright, good, so I got that one out of the way. Uh, let's see what we got here. Next, of course, is a little bit of Zelda news. Of course, as I've mentioned before, I am now the editor-in-chief, whatever you want to call me, of the Hylia.com, and so I get to be very intimate with a lot of Zelda news, and so uh, 
let's talk a little bit about something that's kind of funny. It was a, it was a cute, cute sort of story. And what happened basically is that uh, Google had in several of their logos, it had been it had been discovered that there was a there were like triforces in there. And it's sort of funny because you think, well, I mean, I you know, no one was really sure are these just blips or these on on purpose. But some of Google's festive holiday logos, you know, the ones that like you know might have one for Earth Day, you might have one for the Fourth of July or whatever. You know, you sort of look at it and you think, well, I wonder if this is really a real thing or if this is just fake or if this is just a coincidence because it's a common um, uh, fractal that the Triforce. And so you think, okay, well. It could just be an act. It could just be, you know, it could just be a graphical anomaly. But it happens so many times, and evidently they're all designed by this person named Sus- Susie Sa- Sahim. I think is how you pronounce her. Sa- yeah, I think that's maybe. Um, and she's actually an artist for Google, and she's also a Zelda fan. And it's quite obvious because if you go to her personal blog, you see her uh, pic- pictures like cosplaying as Link. So it's actually not that hard to believe that this is all intentional. Well. Google was asked by Joystick to comment and basically confess to it by saying, quote, our doodles aim to celebrate interesting events and anniversaries around the world that reflect Google's playful personality and love of innovation. As for our Triforce Easter egg, kind of admitting it, we're glad people discovered it and we enjoyed it and enjoyed it before it vanished back into the Zelda sphere. We appreciate people around the world looking into our artwork so closely. So to me, that sounds like a confession. And when they said that it faded back in, or vanished back into the Zelda sphere, they mean the following. Google has basically removed all of these from their site. Now, you could still find them. And, of course, there's a link to You can find them on thehylia.com. Um, but they they uh, they got rid of it. So it was probably, I mean, it's pretty much, they pretty much admitted to it. It was sort of a funny thing. Other Zelda story, only because I find this to be very interesting, and I don't want to read too much into it, because I certainly did on the highly I said perhaps as well. Perhaps this is a cultural thing, but basically The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess is just now going to be released in Korea. So I know we have listeners in Korea, because I've been emailed by Nintendo listeners in Korea, and basically this year, well, in only a few days, uh, what, what is the day? Today's August 3rd, so in only 24 days, August 27th, they will be getting The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. And it's funny because, of course, we got the game in the United States November 19th, 2006, the release date of the Wii. And, of course, it's a little bit funny because, um, you know, I don't know, I just... You expect that Nintendo is going to release the game a little sooner. Of course, it's Korea, and I don't know how big of an area of, an, of a market Korea is. And, of course... Like I said, I didn't want to read too much into this, but of course, uh, Japan and Korea as have, of course, culture, their cultural uh, uh, differences and uh, historically have perhaps not gotten along super well. But uh, so those of you in Korea, you will be able to get The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, a great game. I can, hi- I can highly recommend that you play it. Uh, on August 27th. Although my my guess is that if you were able to understand my po- my voice and therefore English. Uh, you may have already got an English version of of the Wii or the, of the game to play it because it's such an irresistible game. If you've been able to hold out until uh, 2009, first of all, I congratulate you on having that much discipline, and secondly, I sort of I sort of shake my head because you've been really you've been missing out. It is a great game. I love Twilight Princess, but I suggest highly suggest you play it. Anyway, um, let's see. We got, do we have anything else? Of course, we have something else. What am I talking about? No, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe we don't. Is that really all we have? Unbelievable. 
Okay, so that's all we have to do. That's all I have got to discuss with you for news. That's terrific. So, I also have been recently. Oh my god, I didn't even talk about what that song was at the beginning. Of the, I am so out of it. I didn't even talk about what the song was at the beginning of the podcast. Okay, that was the table tennis rally theme um, at the beginning of the podcast. Sorry. Uh, but of course, that segues perfectly into what I was about to say, which is that we have. I, I've gotten received a copy of. Well, I mean, I purchased it didn't give it to me uh, a copy of Wii Sports Resort and of course the Wii Motion Plus and I wanted to review it for you and uh, talk about the game a bit I mean I say review it I mean kind of casually review it because I have the game and um, it's uh, it's interesting you know, it's a sequel to Wii Sports the game that came packaged with every North American Wii and uh, and um, so Certainly, it's a, according to VG Char, it's a big seller, so I figured I would discuss it a bit. Um, Alright. So, Wii Sports Resort, basically, if you ask me, is sort of like almost a tech demo for the Wii Motion Plus. Similar to the way that the original Wii Sports was kind of like a tech demo for the Wii Remote. Um... It's not really a bad thing. Uh, the game, if you ask me, is quite good. And uh, so I don't really view it as a bad thing as looking at it as a tech demo for the Wii uh, Motion Plus. But it is a little bit meatier than Wii Sports. It has 12 games instead of only 4 or 5. Let's see. So 4 or 5. Let's see. So uh, tennis, bowling, golf, boxing. Um, is there another one? Tennis, bo- tennis bowling, boxing, golf. Why do I think I? Why do I feel like I'm forgetting? Maybe I'm not. It's only maybe there are only four. Um, if I if I forget it, no, there are five. Baseball. I forgot baseball. Um. So. Anyway, uh, Wii Sports Resort is twelve games. It is it is quite a bit meatier than Wii Sports, and in fact, it's not just in the number of games. Even the games that it re Pete's. It only. Repeat, I think there are only two games: bowling and uh, golf, which are also in Wii Sports that are in Wii Sports Resort. But those games have been heavily uh, improved. Except actually, maybe bowling not so much, but golf has been. Uh, anyway, Wii Sports Resort has a few different sports. And I'll, I can just kind of go through every single one of them, and then I'll give you sort of my review of the Wii Motion Plus, because of course that's a big part of Wii Sports is the Wii Motion Plus, and I view it really almost as a tech demo of Wii Motion Plus. So first off is the sort of the most famous probably one, and certainly at E3, what is the only one is the only one I played, and um, I enjoyed it at E3, although it was quite easy to play at E3, probably because um, I have no idea why actually. Anyway, the probably most popular one is the sword fighting. Uh, the, there's three modes of sword fighting: there's the duel, the speed slice, and the showdown. The duel basically is exactly what we've probably seen uh, demonstrated. It's just when you have two people and you're fighting. You block. You can block by holding the holding B, and then you swing the sword. And then there's the speed slice, and then there's the showdown. The show the speed slice is like when they'll have uh, various objects kind of drop from the ceiling, and then they'll tell you which way you have to slice it. And then the showdown is when you just kind of you kind of just go on a rampage and just kind of just kind of beat a bunch of people down with your sword. Um, the the speed slice really is a testament to the fact that the Wii Motion Plus really does mean business as far as what it's saying, what it's doing 
differently from the Wii Remote. I wouldn't say that, for example, with the Wii Remote, if you did something like this, if you had, you could never do something. You could never do something like this because it requires you to slash sideways or maybe in a diagonal going from your lower right to your upper left or your lower uh, left going to your upper right. Uh, and so this is something that's almost impossible to do with the Wii Remote because it would be like if you, for example, like say in Twilight Princess, you made a slashing motion. It would just be, okay, generic slash. You slashed uh, the other way. Well, generic slash, probably the same way. And so it really couldn't discern almost. I mean, it kind of knew it was moving, but it didn't really know how it was moving. I mean, it could tell sort of it was if it was being tilted, but the sensitivity isn't perfect. The Wii Motion Plus, I believe, really does offer a lot of uh, enhanced motion control. And it really does make it a lot easier to realize that it really does uh, feel like it's more accurate. And the speed slice, of course, I, I just don't think it could be done with um, with the Wii Remote. And, and same with the Duo, by the way. The Duo would be very difficult because, you know, it's important, you know, certain sides of a person are vulnerable. And, of course, if you can't make sure that, and convey to the Wii that, you know, you want to attack the left side of the person, uh, that's just not going to work. So the next uh, thing is wakeboarding. And wakeboarding is a little bit... Uh, a little bit devoid of gameplay, but it is kind of fun. I've enjoyed it. It's one of the things I play more often. But uh, wakeboarding, for those of you who don't know, because I don't think wakeboarding is all that popular of a sport. Basically, you're being t- you're on a on a, a board. You're being towed by a boat, and the boat you what you do is you pass you go left to right and pass over the board's wake, uh, which is the waves that it leaves behind. Um, and when you go over the wake you jump and do tricks and flips and you have to make sure you land the board level to make sure you land the the trick and then of course you know after one trick you can do a combo and then or you can you sort of like rack up the points it's kind of interesting but basically all you have to do is you just tilt the wheel remote left kind of flick it upwards and um you've done a jump and of course uh, making sure that you you keep the wheel remote level to make sure your board's level uh the frisbee I'm not very good at the frisbee. I, it seems there's the frisbee dog and frisbee golf. Uh, the frisbee dog is uh, basically you just you have to sort of throw it in a general vicinity. On you're on the you're on a beach and you sort of uh, you sort of treat the Wii uh, Wii remote as a frisbee. Hopefully not releasing it into your television, but you do sort of treat it like a frisbee and um, you have to sort of throw it in a certain vicinity and it, the dog will be able to catch it. And the same thing with a uh, frisbee golf. It's well, it's frisbee golf. If you've ever played frisbee golf in real life, then you kind of know what it's like. Um, let's see. Basketball. I've only played three-point contest in basketball. I haven't played everything uh, in Wii Sports Resort. I should probably mention that. I think I've played almost almost everything. Uh, basketball is kind of interesting. I mean, it's it's amazing to me how it's one thing that's accurate. It's it's a, it's a cruel game if you're not good at shooting bat I mean you have to actually know how to shoot a ba- how to shoot the baskets in order for it to actually work. If you don't shoot the basket, you can't kind of fake it. Like if you were doing the Wii Remote without the Wii Motion Plus, you probably could do a pretty good job of faking it, but it's not very easy to fake um the basketball uh with the Wii Remote and the Wii Motion Plus. Uh archery is sort of also a game that amazes me, although there are some things I don't like about it. Uh it to me was the most interesting demo because of this. It just, to me, goes to show a lot about the Wii Motion Plus in that the fact that it's able to uh, calculate where you're pointing on the screen without, by the way, pointing the Wii Remote at the screen. And so there's no contact between the Wii Remote and the sensor bar. 
you basically what you do is you actually switch the Wii remote and the nunchuck in the hand. So for example, you have the Wii remote in your left hand and the nunchuck in the right hand. You pull the nunchuck away from the Wii remote. So you have the nunchuck kind of next to your ear and you pull and you hold the Wii remote and you can aim the Wii remote and just the Wii Motion Plus is accurate enough where it can tell where you're pointing on the screen without even having any uh, part of the Wii remote facing the screen and seeing the sensor bar. So even though technically the Wii remote is the sensor bar, but that's you know, then the sensor bar is really just two points of light. But still, it it doesn't even need that. And to me, that's just really amazing. They do that. It can it kind it knows where it is. Now you have to you have to have to center it, but it's pretty simple. I mean, you almost you don't really notice, and it's really cool that it works. And um, it's fun. I mean, there's two, there's three levels: beginner, advanced, intermediate. Or sorry, beginner, intermediate, advanced. And uh, it it's pretty nice. Um, next is table tennis, which is my personal favorite. Uh, there's the match and the return challenge. Of course, there is no regular tennis in Wii Sports Resort. Although, actually, when you do the island flyover, which is one of the air games, I'll get to that a little bit later. You can actually see tennis courts. Yet you can't actually utilize the tennis courts to play tennis. But that aside, table tennis is quite interesting, and it's actually a lot of fun. Right now, it's my, it's, I'm, only, I'm only pro, as in have a score of, up, of 1,000 or above in two of the games. One of them is tennis and table tennis, and one of them is um, sword fight, is the dual sword fighting. So, and I, right now, the table tennis, I'm at the champion. Like I, I'm, I have one more person, I guess, before I, uh, then I'll beat the champion. The champion is impossible. I don't even think it's, I don't think the champion's beatable, but... That's uh, maybe not. I don't know. I don't think the champion's beatable. So um, I'm sort of I sort of hit a stumbling block. But at any rate, uh, there's the match, which is a table tennis match. It's a six-point match. And then there's the return challenge where you're just being fed a whole bunch of uh, ping-pong balls, and you just have to return them in. And as many as you can hit, uh, return in a row, you will get points accordingly. Uh, match is a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, table tennis really is a lot of fun, if you ask me. And it's... Uh, it does detect spin a lot better. I mean, they, of course, Nintendo claimed that we could detect spin using only the Wii Remote for the original Wii Sports, and it does, but I think Wii Motion Plus makes it a little bit better, and um, it's a, it's a lot, it's, it's, it is a lot of fun, actually. I do like uh, table tennis. Uh, then golf is has been greatly expanded. It has been re, it has been brought back into the game. And actually, I think Miyamoto was interviewed or something, saying that like he he slipped up in an interview and he was talking about how Wii Sports Resort would include golf, and it actually w- wasn't going to include golf. But then he came back and said, "Okay, you guys, I need to save face, uh, put golf in the game." So I think, of course, obviously it didn't. I mean, I'm, something like that. But anyway, of course, just like Wii Sports, there's the usual three-hole game, there, but there are nine and 18-hole games. And they, of course, have the three classic uh, stages, the beginner, intermediate, advanced uh, golf courses from the original Wii Sports game. But they have, I think, three or four new golf courses. So for those of you who are into the Wii Sports golf, it is certainly really nice, um, except for a few things. I will say if you got really good at Wii Sports golf, I would not immediately assume that you're going to be really good at Wii, at Wii Sports Resort Golf. Bowling is another story. I think you can be you can be good at bowling, and I think you can very easily transfer over. But with golf, it's a little bit different. First off, it's a lot more sensitive. So for putting, you know, one of the things with, with um with at least with me when I was putting in the Wii Sports game for the Wii, I was, you know, I kind of had to generically kind of give it a somewhat soft tap. But I can kind of hold the golf club any any way I wanted. Maybe I could even like kind of, but you can't really do that with the. Uh, it's hard to explain with the Wii Motion Plus. It's going to be. It's a lot more sensitive. By the same token, though, it's also not as. It's also not as finicky about hitting it hard and having it kind of go, you know, and slice out of out of out of nowhere. And it's a little bit. You get a little bit more control. So in that sense, it's kind of also nicer. 
but like I said, I think I would the control if the feel of the control is different enough where I would say if you're a pro at Wii Sports Golf, I mean it helps that you will be able to learn Wii Sports Resort Golf faster. I wouldn't immediately assume that you can just play Wii Sports Resort Golf and it would be you know like second nature. Bowling is pretty much the same game. They they say there's a standard game, a 100 pin game, and the spin control game. Although really those are just kind of like they just took out the training mode of Wii Sports and just kind of stuck it in as one game. Uh, there's also canoeing. I try the speed challenge and versus. Uh, I've tried speed speed challenge. It requires more than one person to do versus, but I tried speed challenge and it's really boring. Uh, so I really you know I, mean, I can't recommend that really. Um, we I, my guess is also that. Wii Remote with um, without Wii Motion Plus might even be able to do that feature as well. The only thing is that it can tell what side of the body you're you're rowing on, which is kind of neat. In fact, it's actually extremely important to the game because uh, without that, you will turn only one direction. You could use you row on one side to turn in the canoeing because, of course, canoeing isn't rowing where you have two pat you have two oars. You have only one oar. Uh, so th there's that. Uh, cycling, I actually haven't played. Bic bicycling, I have not played, and uh, it doesn't look. I can't. Ma I can't imagine it's very interesting, but maybe it is. Um, I'll have to give it a try. And of course, there's a race and a versus mode. Although I'm not really sure what the difference would be. And then of course, with air sports, there are three different types of air sports. There's skydiving, which everyone will do because it's the first thing you do as soon as you enter the game. You just kind of. Uh, it's kind of. I mean, the air sports are kind of fun. Uh, they're not almost not. There's not really much competitive aspect to it. Then there's the island flyover, which I've done, and I've kind of liked because you can see the island, you can tour. I mean, it's, it's I mean, it's they're very, it's very uh, free form. I mean, you can kind of go wherever you want on the island to fly over it, um, drive on the drive on the roads. I mean, not really. You'll your plane will get destroyed. But uh, then there's also the dog fight, which I haven't tried because it requires two players, and it's not that I don't have another player that's willing to play. It's just I don't have two Wii Motion Pluses, so it can't really be done. So that's um, that's that. It's the, the scores it's received have been pretty. Decent, I think. Um, 1up.com gave it an 8 minus. GameSpot gave it 8 out of 10. Game Trailers, 8.6. Uh, IGN, 7.7. .7. Official Nintendo Magazine, so for those of you, the British listeners, 94%. And Xplay, which I actually do like uh, listening to, gave it 5 out of 5. Uh, so, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, and it's, 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 it's nice. It's a very good game, actually. I mean, I really do think it's better than Wii Sports. If you enjoy Wii Sports, you'll you will enjoy Wii Sports Resort. If you ask me, um, table tennis and sword fighting in particular. And um, so now you kind of got an idea of what I think of the Wii Motion Plus at this point. But basically, it basically goes yeah, it goes like this. I really do like the Wii Motion Plus, and I really do hope it gets utilized in other games very well. Uh, the Wii Motion Plus, to me anyway, is one of, is really. Is it worth the twenty dollars? I'm not sure. It came with the game, so I, didn't, you know, I feel like I was just paying for a game. But basically, uh, if you want to buy Wii Motion Plus separate, it's twenty dollars, and I'm not really sure if I feel it's worth it. But it's it does it almost feel it almost feel like it should be there from the beginning that functionality. But it is it is a huge amount of improvement in my opinion. I'm not really sure exactly how it works, but somehow they are able to get it to be a lot. It does feel more accurate. There are a few problems with the Wii Motion Plus, if you ask me. Uh, the first one is that it does need to be calibrated, every, in my opinion, more often than the Wii Remote. Um, what happens is that 
especially in table tennis, I find, it can kind of get a little bit out of sync with the right movement. So what you do is you have to pause the game and then click the little Wii Remote Motion Plus little Wii Remote button. Then you lie your Wii Remote face down on its flat surface like a table. And then it calibrates. It only takes about two seconds, but it's you know it's a little bit annoying. I mean, but of course it um, then you know goes back to full accuracy. It doesn't happen very often. I've had to resync my Wii Remote. I, I think I, I think I recalibrate my Wii Motion Plus probably more than I need to. But there were probably only three or four times when I really really needed to in about maybe ten, maybe uh five, eh, maybe five hours of gameplay that I've given it. Um, so. That is that. The other thing is also a little bit annoying about the Wii Motion Plus is that there are some games, and I'm talking mostly about power cruising. Did, did I not talk about power cruising? I forgot about power cruising. There's two it's in Wii Motion Plus. There, uh, sorry, in a Wii Sports Resort. There's the slalom course, um, and then there's the versus. I haven't played versus. I only have one player. Um, slaloms are kind of fun. It's kind of it's kind of cool because what you do is you have a Wii remote and you have a nunchuck and you hold them uh, parallel to each other. You hold them uh, next to each other, and then you kind of you actually like you actually. Uh, kind of uh, twist your wrist on the nunchuck to actually like engage, you know, to really, to like floor the engine. It's really kind of neat. It's just, just like you might think with like with a motorcycle, what you would do. So that, that, that's kind of, that's kind of funny. But actually that does bring up something I was going to mention. There are some games like Power Cruising that require both the Wii Motion Plus, the Wii Remote, and the, the nunchuck. And when you have all that, Wii Motion Plus makes the Wii Remote larger, which is, that Nintendo's nice enough to, I guess, to include a larger Wii Remote jacket with uh, Wii Sports Resort and I'm not sure if we with the Wii Motion Plus, but with Wii Sports Resort anyway. And they, the problem is though that you have that plus the nunchuck. It just feels like you're carrying a lot of stuff. It's, I mean, it's like it's almost like we're reliving the original Xbox controller, except maybe even larger, because it just feels like you're carrying a lot of equipment in your hands. It's you know, it's a it's a big controller after that at that point. So I don't think it's not a lot of fun to use with the nunchuck. Thankfully, I think I, I think there are probably only one or two different games that re- really utilize the nunchuck in Wii Sports Resort, but I gotta say, uh, you look at something like The Legend of Zelda, the next Zelda game that we have been te- that they've been teasing us with, that teaser image, and you know, they, Miyamoto said it's going to use Wii Motion Plus. I can't imagine that's not going to use the nunchuck. So it's going to be a big, uh, it's, it's a, lot, a lot of controller. And uh, so that's, you know, kind of a, I mean, I think that's kind of an, I think it's kind of an issue with the, with the Wii Motion Plus. Um, the other thing with, with Wii Motion Plus that well, I said I talked about calibration. I talked about uh, that it's a little bit makes the Wii Remote larger. Uh, the other I think little problem with Wii Motion Plus, I think there was I think there was another problem with it, is that um, sorry no that was that was actually those are my problems. But look, I really think the Wii Motion Plus does add a lot of accuracy. And actually, I saw Sony's uh, tech demo. Uh, they had that at E3, you know, where they had the uh, basically the PlayStation's answer to the Nintendo Wii Remote, and I gotta say, I mean, looking at it, it looked very accurate. But this may be just as accurate as that, and this doesn't use a beacon system, which I think is part of the advantage of the Sony's uh, solution. But I do think that the Wii Motion Plus is a first off, it's the here and now. I mean, you don't even know when, we don't even know when Sony's uh, uh, motion controls can come out, and of course, Microsoft has Project Natal. We don't know that much more about that, really. So I mean, I have to say, the Wii Motion Plus is really, uh, especially for the here and now, really an amazing attachment. It does it do one-to-one motion. It certainly seems like it. So I got to say, I really do like the Wii Motion Plus a lot, and I really do like Wii Sports Resort. It would get a, it'd be a pretty high review for me. I'd probably give it, an, I'd probably give it nine out of ten. Um, then again, I don't know, maybe eight point, maybe something in the high, maybe something in the mid to high eights. 
it, it's a very good game. I would suggest getting it. Um, however, if you are right now on Amazon.com or at running to GameStop to go get it, I would I would potentially urge you to stop doing that. Because now we're going to talk about Lithcast's fourth birthday contest. And I think you probably already guessed from that, that hint right there that we are going to be giving away a copy of Wii Sports Resort plus a, a um, Wii Motion Plus and Wii Remote Jacket. So, um, that's, the, uh, that's, that's the prize. And here's how it's going to work. I'm making it very simple because, frankly, I'm going to be out of town and I don't have a lot of time to read entries. And you know what? I don't want to restrict people. I want to make sure this gets out there, especially because I'm already sort of restricting people in the following way. Uh, I am restricting the entries only to U.S. entries. Although I've deci- I decided, though, that I'm not going to do that. But I sort of am because you can't... Well, here's the deal. You can't win Wii Motion Plus and what well, you can, but you can't get the Wii, Wii Sports Resort. You can't win unless you're in the U.S. or Canada or someplace that uses NTSC because it won't work on your system unless you have a region-free system or something. So that's sort of a problem. The other thing is that... Um, Okay, basically, here's how it's going to work. Let me just explain. Uh, I'm making this very simple. All you have to actually do is just uh, log, go and um, go to the following URL, lithcast.com slash contest2009, and it will take you to a form where you can fill out just information. It's very simple information. I think I only ask for uh, your name, email address, and country, and also why you think you should win, and, um, and that's it. And just enter that and submit it. And the deadline is, we've decided, decided, was August 22nd. And to be honest, this isn't going to take all that long to fill out. So I think that's pretty good as far as the deadline is concerned. And um, so withcast.com slash contest2009, all one word. Although in case if that, that's still difficult for you to spell, uh, it will also be in the show notes. And so uh, don't worry if it is difficult for you to spell contest2009, although I could spell it for you, L-I-T-H-C-A-S-T dot com slash C-O-N-T-E-S-T 2009 And um, let's see. Anything else that you might need to know? Okay, so here's the deal. Yes, Wii Sports Resort is going to be what the prize is, and there's absolutely nothing. It is completely random, the drawing. But though I would suggest that you do fill out why we want to win Wii Sports Resort if you want your... If you want your if you want your uh, entry to be taken seriously. And um, here's basically how it works. It doesn't also matter when getting there early does not improve your odds. Lithcast staff, as in Mr. Storm and Endor, you may both uh, apply, although I'm not sure if either of you own Wii's, but you may both you may both still apply. Uh, anybody working for Lithcast can still apply. Working for Zentendo, I don't care. Um, here's basically how it works. Uh, once I get all the entries, everyone will be randomly assigned. Let's say I have 50 entries. I will randomly assign everybody a number between 1 and 50 and then randomly pick... Well, it's not quite how it works, actually, because uh, I guess then it, it means it... No, it's not really a random assignment of numbers, I guess. Whatever, it'll, it'll work out, but then I'll just randomly pick. and then. But I'm only taking, I'm only taking the good like the good entries. Like People who have just absolute, like, why should you win Wii Sports Resort? Because nobody else should. Well, actually, that's kind of, a good, that's actually kind of a good answer. But anyways, if it's really stupid, like if you just leave it... Well, you can't leave it blank. But if you just put, like, I love Wii Sports then I'll probably just not include you in the drawing. So don't do not do that. And um, as I say, only available to people in NTSC regions. That means U.S., Canada, I think Mexico, and I guess the Americas in general. Um, however, if a Euro- I, would, I will not discourage Europeans from entering. And if you do win, I will make sure something. 
I will make sure you are compensated for your victory somehow. I will take care of that. Don't worry. So go ahead and enter, even if you're even if you're even if you are in Europe. And I know we have a lot of dedicated European listeners and a lot of dedicated not even if you're not European, if you're just outside the US or outside of an NTSC region, go ahead and enter because I will it will try to to facilitate a, something. Um so there's nothing more to it. I don't really I'm not gonna sell your email address to a spammer. This is partially why I wish I had a spammer to sell your email addresses to, because then I could possibly uh, recuperate some of this. But um, nope, this is a 100% giveaway. And um, to, I really wish I had some spammers. If you, any of you can suggest some spammers to sell your email to, I will definitely consider it, but not for this contest because I've already said I won't do it. So uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I don't really want your suggestions for spammers. Anyway, Lithcast listeners, that's basically what you have to do. Lithcast.com slash contest 2009. Uh, maybe I ought to make a requirement that you have to follow me on Twitter. But then again, what if you don't have a Twitter account? Maybe I should only make it a Twitter contest. Hmm, this is very interesting. Ooh, maybe I could Maybe I could do that. I could, ooh, I could sort of potentially... Well, I, think I, ought to decide, I ought to decide on the podcast, probably. Yes, yeah, probably. Um, okay, how about this? You don't have to follow me on Twitter, but if you but if you give me your, your email address, expect an email address. Expect an email a few days later after the contest closes that asks you to follow me on Twitter and then no more spam from me. How about that? We won't add you even to the Lithcast mailing list. We just want to. But that's that's the price you pay. Of course, if you're already on the Lithcast forums, uh, we already ha- I already have your email address, so that's how that is. Anyway, um, of course, like I say, not selling it to anybody. So, Lithcast listeners, that's terrific. Um, I encourage you to, w- to try to get a copy of Wii Sports Resort. Oh, and one last thing. Um, sometimes, actually, this happened almost every time, though I'm... No, 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 it hasn't happened to everyone, but uh, for some reason... No, I'm kidding. Uh, may- maybe it's understandable. Some people, some people want me to sign stuff. I'm more than happy to do that if you win. You ha- I will ask you if you want me to, and if you say no, I won't be offended at all, because, frankly, I wouldn't want me to either. And if you do, that's terrific. I will do that. But just know if you want, and I will ask you what, what portion of it. If you say the game disc, I will have to then open the plastic. Uh, but if I will not steal your Club Nintendo registration card as much as I want to, because I want to become a plat, want to become platinum member, want to become a platinum member, I won't do that. Um, so, but just know that the plastic would be broken if that isn't already obvious. So, uh, Lithcast listeners, that's pretty much all you need to know for the contest. Lithcast.com slash contest2009. Anyone, including people not in NTSC region, should still apply. Make sure that you do um, put a serious thing for why you want to win. And um, I, may email, I may email you saying, hey, follow me on Twitter. Because I, now I'm, trying to, I'm not trying to amass a, an army. And um, what, please, join. And, I'm, and I'm, so I'm trying to draft you. Uh, and then also, um, contest ends... August 22nd. This won't take particularly long to fill out. Um, there is no word limit or word minimum as far as what you should say for Wii Sports Resort. You're not gonna be, your email won't be sold to any spammers. Um, and uh, that's pretty much how it works. Uh, I don't think there's really all that much else to say except maybe to tell the Lithcast story. And I'm going to do it very quickly because I don't really want to tell the story again. And I'm forgetting more and more of it every year. And of course, you can just go look at another birthday edition podcast. Basically... One day, at I've al- I'd always been a Nintendo fan, sort of. Um, well, not really. Actually, I really became a fan of Nintendo with the Game Boy uh, and Pokemon Blue. As much as I do love Zelda, and even though I run a, a site that is Zelda-focused, I 
really do have to say that my favorite franchise, probably just because it, just because you know, you never forget the first, uh, is Pokemon. It's just it was the game franchise that got me into video games, and so I had a Game Boy Color and loved uh, Pokemon, and um, so then years passed. And I, you know, I'd gotten a Game Boy Advance, and I loved the Game Boy. I mean, I, the, the consoles. I mean, I, I liked my N sixty four, and the GameCube was all right. Uh, but the consoles were not. I don't know if I had a GameCube at this point. But the consoles were not what I liked about Nintendo. I loved their hands handhelds, and I had the Game Boy Advance SP, which, in my opinion, is probably Nintendo's best handheld for its time, maybe ever. And the Game Boy Advance SP was a terrific system. And of course, the idea to me of there being a sequel or not a sequel, a new Game Boy was terrific. And so I had done some research and I found, found out that N- Nintendo had talked about at E3 something called the Nintendo DS, the dual screen. And this made me very, I was very excited. So I thought, well, where can I learn more about this? So what I did is I joined Nintendo's uh, Insider forums. Uh, back then they had them. Now they are closed indefinitely. I wish they would reopen them and I wish they would also reopen Camp Hyrule. However, they, Nintendo has significantly decreased its online presence. Um, but anyway, they... They have they had these insider forums, and uh, anyways, it was it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed uh, participating there, and I learned more and more about Nintendo and the way that they worked. And sort slowly, I started to I uh, I became really in, interested in the DS, and became like a news contributor at a website called DSFans.com, no longer uh, in existence, or I think now it's owned by or it became Game Habit or something. I forget what it was called. Um, and, uh, eventually, you know, E3 really mystified me. I always thought E3 was the coolest thing ever. And so I really wanted to go and I started a podcast, but that, that was, sorry, I just jumped a lot of steps here. Basically then in 2000 and what was it? 2004, it must be 2004 at the worldwide developer conference. I think Steve Jobs, uh, the CEO of Apple talked about a feature called podcasting that was going to be available in iTunes in the upcoming release. So once a podcast became a feature of iTunes, basically the idea was really a neat concept, at least to me. The idea that you can have your own radio show. I mean, you can talk and people will listen. Well, people you can talk anyway. And uh, that to me was just such a cool thing. So I thought, well, I'll start a podcast. Well, it wasn't as easy as I thought it would be when they first revealed it. I mean, you have to. I had to learn XML, and I had to also find a place to host the files. I had always assumed that given Apple's all-in-one nature and the idea of everything's all well-synced and together and interconnected, I thought, well, Apple then will just host my files for me. It'll be great. Just be like having a song on iTunes. Well, it's not quite that simple. Apple expects you to host your podcast. And of course, at the time, there were no people dedicated to podcast hosting and bandwidth. It amazes me to this day. Has dropped so significantly in price per, you know, to transfer stuff. The idea was, I mean, I used a hosting service that was completely free. Because at the time, I didn't want to drop any money on this thing. I just used my eyesight camera, which, you know, look, to be honest, that was pretty good audio quality for back then. Uh, And I also used, uh, you know, I didn't pay any money for anything regarding the podcast. And um, it was uh, kind of an interesting experience. And so I had to use this free hosting. It was awful. It was called like, I forget what it was called. I think it was called Blip Media. And it was really terrible. And then, but before I even got, sorry, before I even got started doing the podcast, I had to decide what I wanted to do a podcast about. Well, I thought, well, at the time, there, were only one, there was only one thing I was really interested in. And Nintendo was kind of a secondary thing. And it was... Apple, but I did a search for Apple in the iTunes store. I saw you know, maybe 30 podcasts and I'm thinking, 
I have to compete against 30 different Apple podcasts. There is no way I can do that. I'm not even a particularly great broadcaster. I don't have the, I don't have the uh, technology to do that. And so I thought, well, forget that. And so, um, well, basically, I said, well, what else do I care about? Well, I care about Nintendo, I guess. I'm, I'm on their message boards anyway. So I, and I only joined their message boards, I think maybe in April or March of 2004. And I was starting this podcast in July of 2004. Five. Well, actually, I guess I've been a member actually since. Well, actually, I've been a member quite a while then, I guess. Um, so I said, well, let's try Nintendo. Well, nothing existed. There was actually one other feed, one other podcast, but it had no episodes. And to this day, it still has no episodes. So my guess is someone just submitted an empty feed and Apple just approved it. So I figured, okay, well, Nintendo then is the thing to do. And of course, I had to now learn a lot more about Nintendo. And it was a pretty rough start as far as using Lithcast. Uh, it wasn't called Lithcast back then. It was called Nintendo Podcast. And actually, to this day, it's still called Nintendo Podcast on iTunes, partially because I'm just afraid, really, of losing the the, uh, the name. And uh, even though I had to change the name for... I mean, because... Well, there's a bunch of reasons. But part of it is that um, the Lithcast stands for Leave It to Heaven. I've actually heard... I've heard that as a translation of Nintendo. I've heard Leave Luck to Heaven. I've heard various things. But Leave Luck to Heaven doesn't really work as far as an acronym... Lith works very well, although technically it and two shouldn't be in the acronym, but whatever, it, it works. So, uh, changed it mostly because I thought, you know, a lot of these times, a lot of times when you want to go to these press conferences, you've got to get business cards and you've got to get a bunch of other things. And if you want to get that done, they say, I'm sorry, sir, you know, we can't, we can't make that because you are, it's a copyrighted name as if, as if you couldn't just make business cards yourself somehow that's proof of your legitimacy but at least as if you couldn't just go to the drugstore and get and pay you know five dollars for a business card making kit but whatever um and basically uh it sort of stemmed off from there i enjoyed making with cast and i just made the episodes and we had a podcast called noa today for like five episodes and that was pretty interesting i couldn't really keep up with the daily show that was all news, no opinion, but it was it was all right. I mean, it's, I still think it would work even now, but I just uh, don't have the time to make NOA today. If I did, I would love to make NOA today. Um, that would be such a fun show just because you can do it every day, and I, I just feel like people using it. I, mean, I, I listen to some daily podcasts, and they're just a great, there's a great source of information. I love them. They're really great podcasts. Um, so there's that, and then basically... I mean, I managed to go to E3 in 2005 by the skin of my teeth, and it was, sorry, wait, I managed to go, sorry, to E3 in 2006, E3-05 had already passed it by that point, and um, I was just so interested in everything, and it was, I don't know, it just, it was an amazing thing. I really wish everyone in the world could get a chance to go to E3. It really is quite an experience, really an amazing experience, and I think most of the people who go to E3 don't appreciate it, but... I really just love the idea of going to E3. It's just, it's such a cool, th- I mean, not the idea, I love doing it. It's, 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 I mean, I've gone to E3, uh, well, I've actually been to the convention only twice or three times, and I've been to Nintendo's press conference three, maybe three or four times, and it's it's just the coolest thing. So, it's, uh, I, I really expect, I really do uh, recommend that people, if they can, go to, e, go to E3. And, of course, you can all, I, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you'll see me there. Uh, and uh, so that's basically the Lithcast story about how it got founded. To this now, we're using Liberated Syndication to host our podcast, and I'm still doing. A, and so it's all it's a little bit easier now to podcast. Actually, quite a bit easier, but I haven't taken advantage of everything, all the recent advances. 
I'm thinking, I'm thinking now I'll stop using liberated syndication. It's funny because, you know, back when I first started doing Lithcast, it wasn't very practical to set up your own servers to do podcast hosting because you just couldn't get the bandwidth. But now, I mean, it's bandwidth is so cheap. I, I think I'm thinking I'll just set up my own servers and it'll be cheaper than it would be to, you know, I also learned so much from doing Lithcast, including how to, you know, all this server nonsense. I mean, I never knew how to do all this stuff before. Um, the podcast and before the website and before the forums and it's just been really an amazing opportunity I mean the idea that I have so many resources and so many cool things that have happened because of Lithcast is really great so I I thank all of you of course because without anybody listening I this would just not none of it would happen I remember when I first got my my first like 100 listeners and I thought that's so cool the idea that there's a hundred people that are willing to s- dedicate like an hour or more of their life to just listen to like you some person who's opinion they could really they couldn't really care less about or it's what seems to me like it just doesn't make sense that they would care about very much uh it's really an interesting feeling it's really it's really very nice and um of course i thank all of you who do listen and if there's more than there's, mo- there's far more than 100 of you now but uh th- i just really think it's so cool the idea but the internet's an amazing thing really and um the avenues that it opens for people and of course you know it's not just me. It's not like anybody. I mean, anybody can start a podcast and anybody can start a website. It's difficult because look, there are you know, it's uh, something like GameTrailers.com. I always use an exam as an example. If you want, if you want to cover DS games, one of the best things you can do for yourself is get a uh, a Nitro debugger, which is like the uh, the thing that Nintendo uses and companies use to take direct DS screenshots instead of using a camera. And only a few companies can afford it because you need to be a developer and you need to have thousands. It's a thousands of. I mean, the, the debugging kit costs thousands of dollars. It's very. It's a very difficult barrier to cross. But um, you know, there, there, there is, there, are, there are always ways to sort of make, uh, make your name. And I think um, I encourage anybody who's interested in Nintendo to do it. I mean, I remember when I first started the podcast, I really had no competition. And then a few podcasts came out. The Wire back then called the Revolution Report. Uh, and then there's this podcast that came around called Nintendo Now. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't heard of it. But you've probably heard of it if I told you its current name, which is GoNintendo.com. But look, I remember when they were back when they back when they were just a podcast, and I I knew them before they were famous, and uh, you know before they had any listeners and all this stuff. Because of course I was a vig- I was a vigilant uh, iTunes checker to see how much competition I had. And um, I'm still proud to say that Lithcast I consider to be the most popular Nintendo podcast. Perhaps wrongly, but I I I can always usually come up with a bunch of loopholes to say it is. Numbers aren't always very accurate when it comes to podcast uh, stuff. But anyway, I like to claim that I have the most popular Nintendo podcast and the most popular Zelda site. But um, I don't say it that often, but it's but it's true. Anyway, Lithcast listeners, that's pretty much everything I wanted to say as far as the Lithcast story. Um, I did actually get a letter. Actually, I didn't get it in time for the podcast 51 last time, but the day I lost the podcast, I actually got an email uh, talking about... Uh, Let's see. Actually talking about something. Uh, so I thought, well, I'll read it. Uh, this email is from Adit Shah. And Adit says, Hi, my friends and I have debated this for a long time about how it is Nintendo manages to include some amazing graphics in games they make, but third-party publishers just cannot seem to get it right a lot of the time. Do you think that Nintendo may have not have released may not have released certain bits of programming code or something of that nature to developers so that it can be said, that Nintendo makes some of the best-looking games on the Wii and DS. Um, well, first of all, that's actually a very good question, and this is a question that I have 
I mean, I, I don't, to be honest, know too much about the inner workings of Nintendo because if, if this was true that they don't release bits of programming code, I would have no way of knowing. I mean, I could potentially ask someone, I maybe I, some people I would know that would be developers that would know about this, um, but it's difficult to say. Certainly, it's not unheard of. Uh, Apple, with their iPhone, uh, does do something like this. Uh, Apple, no other applications, only Apple applications can run in the background unless you jailbreak your iPhone, by the way. Um which I've done, and actually, it's great. Um, but anyway, uh, it's so it's not unheard of, and it's not actually. I would say even limited to graphics. I would say also it is to just function out. I mean, who makes the best utilize? Who utilizes the touchscreen the best? If you ask me, I'd say Nintendo. Who utilizes the Wii Remote the best? Well, I'd say Nintendo. And certainly, Nintendo gets to develop the games. Nintendo basically gets to develop hardware around whatever they want, and that's part of the advantage of Nintendo being uh, Nintendo. That they and they only make their games for their system, and uh, they can, can completely control the hardware it's played on, and they can you know, release hardware to their heart's content that will work with their system. So that's part of it, I think. Also, is that they get to control part of it is they they, they get to control uh, the hardware that goes along with all the games. I think the second thing, though, is is when you mentioned about graphics, I would say that there are Nintendo game or there are games on the Wii that are not or Nintendo platforms in general that are that do look good that are third party. However, you do have a point that most of them are Nintendo games. But I would say a lot of it has to do with the following two factors. The first one is the idea that a lot of these games are ports. Playing Call of Duty 3, for example, on the Wii is absolutely awful, but that's because the game was originally made for the Xbox 360 and then kind of ported over to the Wii, or maybe, maybe that's probably a good example, actually. That actually is a good example. And then, but you know, you think about something like Mario Kart for the Wii. Well, that, that game's not coming out for anything else other than, other than the Wii. And I also think that even if Nintendo does, and this is also part of the reason that I think is is very exciting about the game The Conduit, which I actually just got today in the mail from from Gamefly. Um, I have I will play it, and I'll probably have a review for you later or on another podcast. Um, but one thing that's very exciting about The Conduit, more than the game, because of course we've had first-person shooters, and it doesn't sound like The Conduit's offering us too much that's new, but what's really exciting about it is this high-voltage software, the company that's uh developed the conduit has developed also a graphics engine called quantum three which makes games look well pretty good uh, i'll of course tell you more how blown away i am when i play the conduit uh on my home uh tv and everything but so i think there's certainly more ways to get around it if that is the case that nintendo is um messing with the code because of course you have engines uh, graphics engines Perhaps Nintendo's using a graphics engine that they're not making freely available, and I think that's perfectly legitimate. Any company, ha- you know, any you know, any com- I mean, companies can make graphic engines and simply just choose not to license them. Um, now, a lot of times, companies do choose to license. I mean, we don't even know what this Quantum Three engine, the one they're making for the Wii, is if they're going to license it. But I think it'd be amazing if they did. In fact, they even claim that this is not like they haven't even begun to push the envelope yet. I think is what the uh, CEO of High Voltage Software said recently. So I think it's doable to make a to make um, visuals that are non-first-party uh, that are still good. But I think they're also different. I mean, different graphic engines focus on different things. Um, I always had, I had this friend who I remember back in the PlayStation 2, GameCube, and Xbox generation would always tell me, the GameCube is the best for cartoon graphics, and the PlayStation is the best, or the Xbox is the best for realistic graphics. And I... It's sort of weird, but I think part of the reason is because the Nintendo has graphics engines that are just meant to look, yeah, they look good for 
more the, the cartoon bright colors things. And I don't really know exactly all the details of the graphics engines, but look, you look at Super Mario Galaxy, and that game looks really great. But look, it's Nintendo, I think, developing engines specifically for their games, knowing that they're going to be making it on their hardware. And yes, maybe they don't release it, but is it their obligation to release the the, the engines? Um, no, and I, if they do release it, of course, it's also not the obligation of the developers to to utilize them. Um, but certainly it looks like Nintendo isn't stopping people like High Voltage Software from developing their own graphics engines or using ones uh, like the um, the Unreal Engine. I think that I think uh, in, in Red Steel, the, fir- the first Red Steel Unreal Engine was being used. And I'm not sure if they're doing it in Red Steel 2, but nothing's stopping them. So I would say... Um, I would say it's possible that they haven't released certain code, but I think part of it's because they just want to keep it proprietary. But I don't think there's any. I don't think it's like the iPhone case where there are resources of the of the Wii that only Nintendo games can use. I don't think it's that predatory or that or that restrictive. But I think it's just that they've chosen to make their own proprietary engines that will run, but that they just choose not to allow. Uh, that cho- they just choose not to implement implement or not sorry choose not to um, not to release. And of course, like I said, also Nintendo gets to build around whatever hardware they want. If they want to add voice chat, oh sure, yeah, here have a Wii Motion Plus. I mean, a, a third-party company can almost never get away with with uh, releasing that on the Wii. But anyway, that's what I, that's my opinion. Uh, hopefully, that answers your question, Adit. And um, um, so, if you want to send me an email, send it to Daniel at Lithcast.com. I'd be glad to hear from you. I'll answer it on the podcast probably, and um, it would be uh, well good to hear from you. So. Anyway, Lithcast listeners, I think that's pretty much everything I wanted to say. I will just reiterate the uh, the uh, things I said before. Lithcast.com slash forums, thehylia.com, zentendo.com, all places to find me. And, of course, also DS, oh, sorry, uh, DS Cubed on Twitter. Go ahead and you can follow that if you want. Um, also enter the Lithcast birthday contest, lithcast.com slash contest2009. And I will be glad to hear from all of you. And... Uh, I don't suppose there's very much to say. I really hope that this program doesn't crash on me when I try to compress it this time. And if it does, I'm not recording this a third time, or maybe I am, but I'll use different hardware. And um, I look forward to seeing you all at the next LithCast. Goodbye.